Joygasm, where we chat about video games, movies, and you got it, pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster360. He's Steve, Xbox Live Steve Bitch. And we emerged from the secrets of the Empire in episode 89 today, September 22nd, 2018. This week's episode has so much going on. I personally cannot wait to be able to get into the nitty gritty with you, Steve, over just sitting right there looking. I don't know. You're looking into your, your, your lap there. I don't even know what's down there. You're just taking inventory. What's going on? I was moving my phone and I was thinking about scooting my chair up a little closer to the table here. So I'm going to lean over my microphone. But then I thought, you know what? If I do that, it's going to make some noise and you're going to give me the eye of, I'm going to have to edit that out. So I thought, well, I'll just sit here and lean for the time being. That's what that was about, Russ. I see. Well, thank you for enlightening all of us about that. Gaming news includes Nintendo Switch online launches, European and American regulators. Uh, they are tackling the gambling in games. Sony reveals the PlayStation Classic and more. Movie news includes the new Captain Marvel teaser trailer, photos, and a video revealing how Joaquin Phoenix looks as the Joker, the X-Men getting the Disney MCU treatment, and more. Our topic of the day is the Star Wars Secrets of the Empire virtual reality experience, which we have just returned from, and you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamp located in this episode's details section of iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Otherwise, just keep listening. Steve, how you doing? Russ! Uh, you know, it's a rainy day, but I love the rain. It is a bit of the old rolling thunder action happening, Indeed. isn't it? Yeah, it's long overdue, you know? Long overdue. I just, just needed that rain. It, Kidding? We, we've actually been getting rain off and on over the past yeah, month. Yeah, it's been like, you know, oh, you like that? Here's a little bit of rain. Oh, sorry, we're going to take it away from you. So it's like, you know, <laughs> here, here's a here's a ton that you can enjoy. No, I like that. It's supposed to be happening all weekend, I believe. I believe you're right, Russ. And it's weird because while the, the, temp the temperature has gone down a little bit, it's still really muggy and humid. Like I walk outside mm. and my glasses just instantly fogs up. That's just me breathing on them. I'm breathing really hard. Steve, unless you're some sort of <laughs> ghost that torments me on a daily basis, I don't think so. <laughs> just walking in front of you going... <sighs> <laughs> it's so weird because like in California you never have to deal with something like that and here in Texas it's like you walk from an air conditioned house which is around 65 68 degrees and then you walk outside and your glasses just instantly get like this very thick foggy reaction to everything really to the point where I have to take them off and let them kind of I don't know what the word is for it the equalize or <laughs> I don't know. It has to like get used to the, the, the new temperature and elements and everything. And then it, it clears back up again. But I mean, I guess the closest thing I could compare it to would be to when you are in your car. Yeah. Okay. Here's something like, oh. in, you know, in California. Okay. To all my, my Cali folk out there, the closest thing I could uh, compare it to would be when you get into your car and it's kind of like during the fall slash winter time. And sometimes your dashboard will get all foggy and you have to do the defrost or whatever it is on there to try and, you know, kind of equalize the cabin pressure, so to speak. Mm. That's kind of what it's like, except it's on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, then. It's unfortunate that my glasses don't have a little defroster button on there. That'd be pretty sweet, Yeah, actually. it would be kind of sweet, Russ. There you go. Put a patent on it. Consider it patented. 
No, not really. <laughs> so what's new with you? Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, just Enough me. of this weather talk yeah. nonsense. Yeah. What have you been watching? What have you been playing? What have you been experiencing? Experiencing. Mm, well, I still got this uh, wrist bracelet. I still on my- got this hive of rash or something. <laughs> yeah. It's on my back. Um, got a boil, some guy. <laughs> it hurts when I lean back on it. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps exploding. <laughs> no, that's not sweat oozing through my shirt. That's my boil. <laughs> uh, some kind of seeping, uh, weeping, oozing. Oh, gosh. It's just. Another uh, head? I don't know. No, I this wristband from our little experience earlier. It's still, it's like r- ripping at my uh, my arm hair, you know. Ah, uh, yes. So, but otherwise, no. This week has gone by pretty fast. I didn't really ask you about fast. how fast the week went by, Steve. I am continuing. Wow, you really <laughs> want to jump to like? I don't care about yours. Care about what you're playing? Fine. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't, I don't need your journal or your oh, diary man. entries. I want to know precisely what have you been playing? This what have you been watching? Sucks. Gosh. Okay, fine. Well, I haven't been playing really anything new. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Stardate 26.9, round off to the decimal, decimal point. Today I took a mighty poo <laughs> and. Uh, please continue, Steve. Thank you, Rosa. Well, I haven't really been getting notified, thanks to you, that my Netflix has arrived. <laughs> So I haven't watched much beyond my my 24. Uh, Well, would you need to watch anything other than your 24? Because that is a great show. Well, when I send the disc back, I need to watch something in between. (laughs) Do Do you have your Netflix set up on Xbox Live? No, because that's just streaming. Oh, dude, you were so old school. It's, what? it's not being old school. I can stream on the TV. Uh-huh. Yes, I can stream. I don't have to go through the Xbox. But Netflix streaming doesn't have any of the goodies. It's just like, oh, what TV show do you want to watch? What B movie do you want to watch? You know, no, like, they, they have a kind of a rotating yeah, offering off and of sorts. on. Off and on. <laughs> Some stuff is there. You're like, oh, I'm going to add that to my list. And I'll come back. Yeah, I want to watch that. And it's gone. I have complained about it before. I'm sure you have. Yeah, I have. And so that's why I decided to go back to the male DVD, or excuse me, <coughs> Blu-ray, because... Not to be confused with the female DVD. <laughs> Mail-in, M-A-I-L. <laughs> Jeez. So I can pretty much rent whatever I want, ah. and they'll mail it to me. Mm. Streaming, it's like, well, hey, what do you want to watch tonight? Oh, you know what? Uh, let's watch, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, the first, let's watch Star Wars Episode Four. They go, okay. And you'll click it on, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's not, that's not there. Yeah. Oh, what, what else do you want to watch? Um, Let's watch movie X, Y, and Z. I don't know. Amazon is guilty of that, too. Uh, so I don't want to have to deal with that. Gotcha. There you go. Mm. Uh, I do have the movie American Assassin that I have yet to watch. I'll probably watch it tonight. I wanted to watch it last night. That didn't happen. Who's in it? Uh, Michael Keaton and um, some other guy. I don't know. American Assassin. Oh, you know, I have a little bit of a fragmented remembrance mm-hmm. of the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. We saw the trailer before we watched uh, something else. If it has Michael Keaton, you know it's going to be good. Right. At some point, he's got to say, I'm Batman. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> just a, yeah, Michael Keaton rocks. Mm-hmm. So, that's about it, Russ. I've been 24ing it up. Wow. And, uh, of course, we got together with uh, Big Baby Moose, played more Sea of Thieves. We did. And that was a jolly old time. Had some laughs. Mm. Ate some fishy crackers. Well, at least they did. No, I didn't. 
I love how every time we play with them, they bust out the fishy crackers. I need fishy crackers. If there was ever uh, a snack that was appropriate for Sea of Thieves, it is fishy crackers. Yeah. I need to, you know, it goes against my my current diet. I'm really trying to be good about not uh, crackering it up. You know, like trying to get control of the carb intake, but I, there might, there may be, you know, I, as I'm talking about this, Steve, I do believe I'm going to, you are salivating. I, as I'm talking about this, yes. And there's only one way to mop up said saliva. And that is with a good bag of fishy crackers. <laughs> well, on my side of things, I uh, have a kind of a, a fun list here of things here. I continued playing through Spider-Man on did. PS4. What percentage are you through it now? I don't know. Uh, if I, it says on the title screen when you, when you start to play it. Here's the deal. I was playing quite a bit of it, so I don't know where I am. Like when I, okay, to give you an idea, I was about 70% of the way through as I, what? Why are you looking around? I heard, I heard someone's like a phone go off. Plung! Oh, you know what? Let me make sure. I, I don't think I have put, let me put, make sure. I did that before the episode started. Probably be a good idea. Make sure it's, it's good to be in. prepared. Oh, you know, let me make sure it's uh, oh, okay, make sure it's on. Do not, there we go. There's just so many devices in the studio here, it's difficult at times to uh, make sure you have everything accounted for. So, uh, there we go. Okay. I'll we'll, we'll, we'll wait set. for you. We'll we're, just wait. we're good. We're good. <clears throat> I'm glad. <laughs> My bad. So anyway, when I was doing it, I was at 70% of the way through, and that was before I got into a bit of a boss battle. I'm not going to say who. No, I'm not. I'm not going to uh, spoil it, but uh, it is a game that you definitely need to play. Are mm. you interested still in purchasing my old PS4? Quite possibly, but uh, you know, if you come at me with like the retail sticker price, hey, that's what no. I paid for it, then I'm like, eh, you know what, Russ? Ah, I'm I think not- I'm wait for a little bit. No, no. You, you let me know what the retail price is of a PS4. I will give you a nice discount. Okay. But you do need to play it because it is a lot of fun. Ah, <laughs> so fun. You got to burp it up. A little bit of the old uh, McGriddle <laughs> left over right there. <laughs> the fun comes in burps, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so fun. I get a bunch of gas as a result. <laughs> That's rust and it's hot air. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know I'm blowing a lot of hot air at you. But no, I probably, if I had to guess, if I had to venture a guess, I'm probably about 85% of the way done. You know what? I did download the Forza Horizon 4 demo, and I have yet to play it. I was going to play it, and I, I'm kind of teetering. I, I want to wait for the actual- I thought you'd be tearing right. that. Noel, I, part of me wants to wait till the actual game comes out so I can play the thing in its entirety and be like, oh, this is awesome. Did you ever beat the entire Forza Horizon 3? Uh, yes, I did. You did. Okay. I did, yeah. Congratulations. I don't think Thank I you. actually made it all the way through. I think there were some things that still were. Yeah. In fact, I know for a fact there are still races that need to be completed and I, I need to be able to unlock some additional exotic cars and that sort of thing. So did you return that or is it still your. No, it's still. Uh, uh, I still okay. have it. Yeah. Okay. I did, however, return <laughs> Halo 5. Hey, no rush because I have more than enough titles here that are yes, keeping you me do. busy. So yeah. I imagine that when Forza Horizon 4 comes out. Uh, maybe you can return it then. And you still have my Battlefield and my GTA. I do indeed. I have yet to get through those as well. I have an avalanche of titles 
for multiple systems. And, uh, gone are the days, Steve, when you would have a AAA title that would be the only title worth purchasing and would be entertaining you for the next six months until the next one comes out. We That, that time has passed, and it passed a long time ago. It's, it's almost kind of daunting. It's getting a little concerning even to try and uh, keep... Not, not even ahead of the pack, just keeping up with the pack. Makes me wish I was 16 years old all over again. I get to... Huh. Long and lanky. Dedicated. A full head of hair. The kind that a lion would look at that and go, that's a fine mane. <laughs> I'm maneless, Steve. I'm maneless. No, I am maneless. <laughs> you are like half mane. <laughs> Not to be too confused with half mast. Half mane. Yes, yes. So in addition to Spider-Man, I have also been uh, continuing the journey through Destiny 2's DLC Forsaken on Xbox One. I am happy to report to you as well mm. as the listeners, this is what Destiny 2 should have been from the get-go. Mm. I've been kind of playing through here and there with different friends who are fans of Destiny. They were huge diehard fans of Destiny 1. And of course, you know this, like just playing through the initial Destiny storyline and just kind of the, the other types of, of uh, gaming modes. I just, I honestly didn't see what all the, the fuss was about. I'm like, this really is not grabbing me. I, don't, I mean, I, I play because I have friends who like to play and, and they agree too. They're just like, yeah, this is not what, what Destiny 1 was about. I'll grab you while you're playing it so you can get the same reaction. That, that's totally fine, see? Go ahead and grab me all you want. This is an exciting part. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm here to tell you the Forsaken DLC, I I now understand. And, you know, of course, you look at the reviews on like IGN and all the other places, and they have also concurred that this is what the experience throughout the entire Destiny 2 should have been. Because I'm playing through the game, I'm like, man, like this is fun. I really like the environments. I like the storyline, the backstory. Um, of course, it's no... Um, spoiler that that you look at uh i think his name is kate or something like that um kale no not kale okay anyway he ends up dying in the trailer and you're like wow what the heck is going on and that sets up the entire purpose of why you're going through this dlc and it's terrific and i'm not even through it i, I don't even know how far along i think i'm i'm only about maybe 20 percent of the way through but i'm in, really enjoying um, just how the environments look, what the the new class of bad guys are, some of the allies, the unlikely allies that you make so far along the, the way. Everything about it has got me engaged to the point where now I'm like, you know, I'd like to play some more Destiny. I'd like to see what happens next. And that's, that's a really good thing. And I'm glad that Bungie has been able to kind of come um, together as a group and go, okay, these things that we have done with Destiny 2 as a whole just simply were disappointing. They were not at the level that the first Destiny was at. How can we do right by our fans? And you can tell. I mean, like, just even the... And almost, I found myself thinking of The Witcher 3 when it came to that, that last DLC that they did where they Blood actually mine. had kind of like a graphics improvement and everything actually kind of looked better. They actually did that with um, this DLC pack for Forsaken. Um, where like I'm looking around and I'm like, remember how we were making comments when we were playing Destiny 2 and we we're like, okay, yeah, we're noticing like like it's not on a graphics fidelity level that we've come to expect from an Xbox One title. It looked almost like Xbox 360. The Forsaken DLC pack is starting to feel more like an Xbox One experience. 
So that's mm. saying something. I mean, it's, it's it's definitely cool. Well, I uh, I would have to go back to my original statement. Then when Destiny was coming out, that I will wait to get Destiny until I get an Xbox One X. I think that that is a very sound approach to do those things. Because I, I, for one, would also like to play through um, Destiny 2 on Xbox One X, get kind of more of that 4K experience, that sort of thing. Also, as you know, Steve, I received my iPhone 10s Max. I'm surprised those yesterday. are out so soon because, uh, yeah, I mean, they were like, yeah, hey, I can start pre-ordering. I'm like, okay, they can pre-order them and they'll be out in about a week and whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, you pre-ordered and like four days later or something, it was like at your doorstep. Punctual. And I was, man, I, I was I was online seeing that people were waiting up till midnight and 2 a.m. To, pre, to pre-order them and whatever mm-hmm. whatnot. And then I start seeing all these YouTube reviews come up out of nowhere. I'm like, man, these people must have got it from China or something. Like, hey, this is really <laughs> early. And you're like, yeah, can you help me set up my iPhone after you get off? I'm like, what? Yeah. No, they, they were Johnny on the spot. I was very impressed. I pre-ordered it on the day of, which was, I think, September 19th, I think it was. Uh, maybe a little early. I don't know. Yeah. It was last Friday. And then, yeah, literally the following Friday, boom, it was delivered at like noon at my house. And I was like, wow, this is all right. Kudos to them. That's that's great. I have not had a chance. Obviously, I've had it for less than uh, 24 hours. Um, but uh, from what I have been looking at it, it is just a fabulous improvement over the 6 Plus, which is saying something. I mean, as we've talked about, the, the 6 Plus is a four-year-old phone at this point. And it has served me well. Like I, I really do like it a lot. In fact, I'm, I'm probably going to turn it into like a bona fide iPod as a result because I still get Wi-Fi access on it. And I could use it for for other things and that sort of thing. So I'm I'm happy with that. But it's really cool to see um, all the different types of features. And again, I haven't been through and experienced all the all the features yet. But just looking at what people who have an iPhone seven, iPhone eight, an iPhone ten, just what they've been enjoying up to this point, um, it is something that has been really nice. I mean, it has a very classy um, just effortless sophistication vibe to it. I absolutely adore the wireless charging. It is the craziest thing how like, you know, the the notion of having to hunt down a cable and plug it into the phone, it, it definitely feels out of date, especially when you have some sort of wireless charging pad, you just set your phone on it, it just starts charging. You pick it back off and it's just, it's fantastic. It's the same thing with, yes, that's right, Steve, my Sonicare toothbrush. I have the kind Jeez. I can just set down in there. There's no charging cable whatsoever. I can set it in there and then lift it up and brush those pearly whites. The only thing that the cable does do, that the wireless charging pad does not, is if you still wanted to use your phone while you had the cable plugged in, go ahead and use it. And it's charged at the same time. The wireless, you just have to place it there and you can't do anything with it. Yeah, I was testing how, like, you know, the face recognition, if you put your face level with it, it will, you can actually use it while it's charging. And so that's cool. Like, you know, if you want to watch a movie or if you want to surf some stuff or whatever, but it's just great. I'm planning on buying some more wireless charging pads that I can just place around the house, just kind of sprinkle them around. Because it's just great because you just, you know, set your phone down and not have to think about it. And, and I know in my house, like, I, I run into this problem of battling for different cables. Like, if I want to charge my phone and, you know, someone else has their phone currently using that cable, it's like, okay, now I got to go into the bedroom and use that one or something. So I, I want, my mission is to be able to have enough charging stations in the house where it's like, okay, it becomes a non-issue. 
Because you know, like, like right now, my wife and I are the only ones in our family that have this phone that's capable of doing so. But eventually, everyone's going to make the upgrade. And then so then more and more people are going to be like, hey, you got any uh, wireless charging stations I could charge my phone on? Yeah, sure. Here you go. I got five of them. Well, yeah. I mean, cars nowadays are making their, like the center console do wireless charging. So you can probably expect at some point coffee tables or even your couch or a chair or something like that to have wireless charging. So if you're sitting there and you're, you need to put your phone somewhere, you can place it on your furniture and it'll right. charge while you're not using it. So it's going to be more integrated into everyday life. I think. Yeah. And the screen, of course, uh, with no home button uh, to actually click on. It I like provides, my button. The button is nice. There is something to be said for having that tactile button that you can click, you know, it's just nice. But I got to say having the additional real estate, you know, having that kind of edge to edge experience is nice. And we were messing around a bit with the whole Animoji thing, which I mean, when I saw that, I knew I was like, man, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. I could see the the appeal of having this be more of a rich experience when it comes to messaging and that sort of thing. Other than that, haven't had a chance to really sit down with everything else. And I'm thinking maybe I can give um, more of an in-depth review, maybe do like a, a bonus Patreon episode and just uh, post it up there for those who are interested. Sounds good, Russ. Anywho, I have also uh, been playing a little bit of more Persona 5 for PS4. I think you would like that game, honestly. Why is that, Russ? Well, it's a JRPG, and you like JRPGs. You haven't played one in quite some time, and it's it's produced by Sega. Oh. They have a very cool style to it. I think when I'm done with that, um, you know, it's for PS4. So, yeah, I mean, if you end up uh, getting you, my, my older PS4, you might want to try it out, do you? Sounds like a plan, Russ. I also purchased oh the my Shadow gosh. of... T- I'm telling you, Steve, Man, there's been a lot geez, going on around let's here. Let's get it going. Lot, it is. Let me, let me tell you, it has getting and it is a going. <laughs> okay. I can't help it if you had a boring week. <laughs> Oh, Uh, man. Shadow of the Tomb Raider came out. I have not actually started it because I... Why are you mentioning it? Because it came out this week. It came out this week. I have downloaded it. I've installed it. (laughs) What have you been seeing? What have you been playing? Well, I downloaded a game. (laughs) I'm just letting you know what's on deck. Because as soon as Spider-Man is over with, I'm going to just dive right into my bow and arrow game, as you like to call it, because I'm a big fan of those, so... Looking forward to all that. Uh, also, Steve, I have. I was going to go to sleep. Wake me when you're caught Cole, up. Cole, why would you want to fall asleep? <laughs> I have all kinds of fun stuff that has happened this week. <laughs> Freaking hey, I'm not just talking in myself here. I'm having a conversation with your bald ass. So, uh, yeah, I picked up the highly anticipated Batman Damned. Issue number one comic book written by Brian Azzarello and drawn by the Lee Bermejo. Uh, Have you heard of this, Steve? No, Russ. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm going to have to take you Your nerddom is beyond my comprehension. (laughs) Whatever. Don't act like you're above (laughs) and beyond. I know you've collected comics, too. Go ahead, Russ. So have my 100% full attention. Go. Check this out, Steve. I'm checking. I have discovered a local comic book shop in the form of Keith's Comics. They have multiple locations in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, including one that's kind of close to where we live. Mm -hmm. Now, what's really nice about their customer service, Steve, is that if you go in there, 
you can talk to them. If you don't see a particular conflict that you're looking for, you can let the staff know. Do you have to give them a secret handshake? No. Hey, I, I'm looking for a conflict. Yeah. The secret? <laughs> you're like... Okay, okay. No, yeah, it, is yeah. not, it is not a fraternity. He's <laughs> different... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, go. Uh, anyway, what's really cool is that if you're looking for a particular comic book and it's not there, they cannot find it at that particular store location, they will then go into their network of stores within the area. And um, if they have it at a different store, they will actually bring it to the store location of your choice, contact you when it's there so you can pick it up at your convenience. Mm. So instead of just having someone going, no, no, we don't have that. Oh, it's at our, sucks for you. It's at our location that's 25 miles away. You can go there and get it. Well, and if you think about comic book shops, typically speaking, the, you don't really see that many networks of comic book right. stores. They're kind of like these independent comic book businesses, right? So, like, so this place is like the GameStop of comics. Kind of in a way in this area it is. And I think that that's really cool because oftentimes in the past it's like, oh, nope, sorry, we sold out of that. Uh, look somewhere else and it's like, oh, wow, that's unfortunate. How on earth am I going to find like, you know, some hotly anticipated issue of whatever. What's awesome about this place is that they really go above and beyond. And I've actually um, had the experience with them where I was looking for a particular comic book. It wasn't at that particular location. They then put it into their system. And then a couple days later, I get a text message or and or a phone call. You can have it set up. And then all of a sudden they say, yeah, we have it here. It's, it's here at, at this particular location that you chose. And it's like, oh, sweet. Now I can swing by and pick it up. I walk away a much uh, happier customer. And they do the whole, you know, you know, if you want to set up a profile with them, then they what they'll do is they'll pull certain issues that they receive to make sure that you guarantee that you have issues that you're looking for. So that way, you know, if you happen to miss it on the day it gets delivered and you are unable to swing by and pick it up, then it's not like you're screwed. You can actually, wow. It's like, yeah, you got anything pulled for me? Yeah. Let me check your cubby hole, so to speak. Yeah. You got uh, this, this, and this. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I'll take it. So that's what happened, Steve is actually the uh, Batman damned issue. Number one came out. You may have heard online about how um, this is more of a part of, I think it's called the DC black label where they have uh, made it kind of, uh, they've lifted the restrictions, so to speak, to allow the writers and the artists to actually be a bit more edgy, a bit more kind of mature with the content that's going on in there. Does Batman drop the F-bomb? He does not. Okay, no. good. But, however, Batman drops the trouser. <laughs> so it's... Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Do it. Okay, no, I'm sorry. It, it's, it has, it's nothing like that. It's actually handled... Uh, I want to make some bad babies. <laughs> You do get a little <laughs> glimpse of his uh, bat wang if you know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> but the cool thing about it is that it's actually handled in a way that's very artistic. It's it's not like <laughs> gratuitous or anything like that. But here's the deal. The reaction on the interwebs is that of a 14-year-old, you know, where they're like, oh, man. It's like, you guys, okay. Looking at what it is, I mean, like, if you were to look at just the comments on Twitter alone, you, you would just be like, oh, my gosh, like, well, well, wow, what do they do? Like, is it some sort of, like, you know, porno thing or what? No, it's it's literally him, like, it, he's brooding in his chair, and there's, like, a glimpse of it. Like, like you have to actually look for it. Anyway, the, uh, the comic book itself is 
actually really good. There has been a, a long period of time where actually I stopped collecting comic books because my favorite artists like Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, they really don't draw all that often anymore. They'll do like a cover or something, but they don't actually do issues because they have businesses that they've created and they have to you know, spend more time running the business than actually being creative. So a lot of the artists, I mean, you know this, a lot of the other artists out there, they're just, they don't really grab us. But this Lee guy, Lee Bermejo, um, he's got a really cool look. I'll have to show you this after the show. I was planning on showing you before the show, but we just kind of ran out of time. <laughs> Anyway, I'm, it's apparently this particular issue, um, there are only three issues that are going to come out. It's going to be a bi-monthly deal. The next issue, issue number two, is supposed to come out in November. But the format of the comic book is actually larger than your normal comics, which is cool. Like the, the type of paper stock they're using is great. Anyway, I am curious to hear your thoughts on it after you've been able to flip through it because I think it's really cool. This particular whole setup has um, a crossover with Constantine. You know who Constantine is, right? Uh, yeah. Did yeah. you watch the Keanu Reeves movie with, I, where he uh, plays as Constantine? Yeah, I, no, no. It's on my Netflix list, though, Russ. <sighs> well, I know I'm, that at some point there's a guy with wings in that, in that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well, I'm glad it's on your to-see list because that's actually a good movie. I think they actually did a, a really nice job. So anyway, in this in this particular comic book setup, Batman meets up with Constantine and uh, there's a lot of supernatural stuff that gets introduced into it. It's pretty cool. And I I do think that uh, I have reached the end of what's uh, new with uh, me this week, Steve. Okay. Uh, you seem like you need to take a nap after all yeah. the goodness I've dumped onto Man. you. Golly. <laughs> I need something fresh in my life, apparently. <laughs> You need to hang out with me more often, Steve. You, and you thought that this dad over here wasn't in on all the stuff. All right, let's get into some gaming news. Nintendo Switch Online has been launched. After a maintenance period, the Switch Online component available uh, earlier this week. For those interested, you'll have to go through an update process on your Switch, which is pretty straightforward. Nintendo Switch Online will cost uh, basically $4 USD for one month. Eight bucks for three months and twenty dollars for one year, which actually that's what I signed up for. And if you think about it, I think Xbox Live is like what still sixty bucks a year, just about. Yeah. Nintendo will also offer a family membership that can be shared with up to seven other people. The family plan requires at least two accounts and will cost thirty-five bucks for a year. Subscribers to the <laughs> you're dancing over there, you're breaking my concentration. Subscribers to the paid service will have access to a, a, quote, compilation of classic games with added online play, end quote. Now, the service will launch with the following 20 titles. Soccer, Tennis, Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, Balloon Fight, Ice Climber, Dr. Mario, The Legend of Zelda, Super Mario Brothers 3, Double Dragon, River City Ransom, Ghost and Goblins, Tecmo Bowl, Gradius, Pro Wrestling, Excite Bike, Yoshi, Ice Hockey, and Baseball. These are all the uh, classic NES titles, but that's quite a bit to wet your whistle with. We now know that uh, three new games will be added to the NES library each month for the rest of 2018. So that's a way to kind of kick things off in terms of having your title uh, action going on. Also, too, 
You have the ability to be able to play with other friends that have Nintendo Switch consoles. Oh, and be able to really? Play online, which I, for one, I'm, I'm looking. I'm I'm glad that they, we can finally have this. And I have been collecting your Switch friend codes from other people who have Nintendo Switch. So my my, my friends. No, my friends, oh. not your friend. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, technically speaking, all the ones I collected, they're my friends, not your friends. <laughs> uh, Nintendo Switch Online <laughs> will finally introduce the ability to back up save data through cloud saves. Subscribers to the online service are able to save their data online for easy access. However... <laughs> Oh, sorry. Cloud saves won't be enabled for all Switch games. For example, Nintendo says the feature will be disabled for Splatoon 2 to ensure backup saves aren't, quote, used to unfairly affect online multiplayer rankings, end quote. A FAQ on the company's website also reveals save data stored in the cloud will be erased should your Switch Online membership lapse. Finally, Nintendo says subscribers uh, will receive special offers that may include discounts on select eShop games and content. Moving right along here, European and U.S. game gambling regulators sign agreement to tackle gambling and games. Steve, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I'm listening acutely. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse Wade reports the U.K. Gambling Commission announced Monday that uh, 16 gambling regulators from Europe and the U.S. have signed an agreement to address gambling risks in games. The global agreement includes the countries of uh, Latvia, Czech Republic, Spain, France, Malta, Jersey, uh, I don't know what that, Gibraltar, Portugal, Ireland, Isle of Man, UK, Netherlands, Norway, Poland, Austria, and the U.S. Washington State. The agreement is described as a declaration of gambling regulators on their concerns related to the blurring of lines between gambling and gaming, end quote. The agreement marks the first international attempt in regards to the illegal gambling controversy in video games, which I can only imagine is probably going to be targeting loot boxes. What say you, Steve? Ah... Perhaps, I man. I can see that as that's the direction they go with it, but I don't know. Gambling. If you think about it, the loot box system is based on chance. It is not a guarantee that you're going to get something. And with the idea that you can buy, you know, do microtransactions, you know, twenty dollars, fifty dollars, two hundred dollars for X amount of loot boxes. The only guarantee you have is you will have X amount of loot boxes you can have, but you have no control over what you're going to get. It's like a chance card. They didn't come out and say that, but dude, I'm telling you, I think that there's going to be a crackdown coming when it, as it applies to loot boxes, where they're going to have certain criteria or guidelines that have to be adhered to in order to have loot boxes in your your uh, game. I don't see how they can do that because pretty much in any, any game, if you get a loot box, they, they never tell you what's going to be in it. They never give it away, or else it wouldn't be called a loot box. You just go out and buy what you want to buy. So, I don't. I, to me, that's not really a gamble. I mean, I guess it kind of is. It's a, it's like the definition of the word. But if you compare gambling in Vegas, where you go, oh, I'm going to put a hundred bucks on red eleven, you know, and then you don't get red eleven, then you lose a hundred bucks. You don't get anything. Yeah, I, it's something I'm going to be following because I'm, I have a feeling that that's probably what they're eyeballing, and I think it, 
I think it's going to really be based on on the territory also. I mean, it's if they were to exercise that, I think that there's going to be kind of a bit of a fragmentation process because I think probably in certain countries they'd be okay with it, other countries they would not, and so then, ah, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I would think you know sometimes, like for example, like Bit Heroes will say, okay, if you buy X thing, you're guaranteed to get like one epic piece of loot or something like that. So right. you know at least you're getting something good out of what you're spending your uh, your credit, your game credits or your money on. Right. But if you say, oh, you can get a legendary uh, loot box and uh, maybe uh, you'll get a legendary, maybe you won't. Then that's like totally gambling because you're spending X amount, you know, extra cash on it and you're not getting what you're supposed to get. Now, another thing here that uh, I want to get your opinion on. Have you heard about how the PlayStation, the Sony PlayStation Classic has been announced? I heard about that, yeah. Sony has announced the PlayStation Classic, which will come with 20 preloaded games. Uh, will be released on December 3rd at an MSRP of $100 USD, 130 Canadian, and 150 Australian. Sony's very own mini retro console will come with Final Fantasy VII, Steve, Tekken 3, Wild Arms, Jumping Flash, Ridge Racer Type 4, which is a personal favorite of mine and other legendary titles, which will be announced before the year's end, all in their original format. Nah, I think I'd probably, well, I don't know. I think it's a little too soon, honestly, because pretty much everybody who has played Final Fantasy at this point knows about Final Fantasy VII. I mean, even then when we were waiting in line to get the Super NES Classic, we are talking to some of the younger gamers, like, oh yeah, I know Final Fantasy VII. So, I mean, it's kind of crossed a lot of generations. I think if they waited to do it for, you know, you know, five or ten years from now, I think it would be more appropriate, but... Well, right, the first I mean, system, right, like, the first PlayStation came out in 1995? Uh, I yeah. Don't know, I don't think it was... Nah, I don't think it was that far ago. Yeah, maybe, maybe it, it was. was but um, Because the Sega Saturn came out also in 1995. Yeah, I, I still think it's a little bit too soon. I mean, if you have a PS2 then still, which a lot of people do, they're going to still be able to play their PS1 on their PS2 and have the same experience. I have a feeling they are targeting the younger millennials with that just because, like, for you and I, like, I, I, I believe I'm correct. I think because the Sega CD came out in 1992 and then the Sega Saturn, you know, they had, they had the stopgap of the 32X, which came out, I think, around 1994. And then the Sega Saturn came out in 95. The PlayStation also came out in 95. Yeah, I believe that's correct. I think I'm correct in that. You can double check on uh, line if you I like. was I was a uh, I know I was a freshman or a sophomore in high school when it came out. Think about that. That was that was over 20 years ago. That was 23 years ago. So yeah, think about that. There's an entire generation of people who've never played PlayStation 1 titles and see actually at this point in time there's kind of a revival of like the retro gaming aspect where like, you know, like obviously the NES classic, the super NES classic. I mean, they sold like what, like hotcakes. And I think that there's also been an, a very big interest in wanting to like, see what were other types of systems were, were around back in the day. Plus people in our generation have kind of an interest. I know for myself, there's like a, a huge interest in hoping that there's going to be like a Sega Jack. Sega Genesis. A Sega Jackson. <laughs> Sega Jackson. A Sega Genesis Classic Mini that they're making. Um, and when that finally comes out, I will totally be picking that up. 
I'm kind of on the fence when it comes to the PlayStation, though, just because I've already played it, and there is kind of a difference between the the 2D sprite experience versus like your initial foray into 3D worlds. You know, a lot of the initial 3D graphics were just so crude and simple, low poly count, that sort of thing. It's very different than the art that went into more of kind of the 2D sprites. But that's just me. I think that there are several people who would totally be down from getting something like this. I, I still think it's too soon because, I mean, we just got released the SNES Classic. I mean, that was mm. only a few months ago. So that's totally retro. People are, are just playing that one. I mean, this is too soon of a drop. I think it might be next year or the year after that at least. But I mean, you think about minimum. it. The, the Super Nintendo came out in 1991 and so if you think about it like that was only four years prior to like when the playstation and saturn and everything else i mean i yeah maybe not to some people like like they may look at it and go eh, i'm not really you know into that i may get it just because for for nostalgia it's like oh it's cool to have like a mini version of that looks i mean it looks just like the sony playstation one but it's Actually, you know what? Here, I have some additional notes on it. The PlayStation Classic is approximately 45% smaller than the original PlayStation, and Sony has emulated the original packaging as much as possible. Each unit will come with an HDMI and a USB cable with two original pre-DualShock controllers, though you will have to buy a compatible USB-AC adapter not included to use the console. The console is already available for pre-order on Walmart, GameStop, and Best Buy. The uh, PlayStation Classic will launch in limited quantities on December 3rd, as mentioned before, in Japan, North America, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand. Uh, what is also interesting is that the PlayStation Classic will not see post-launch games and has no PlayStation Network functionality. Uh, Jonathan Dornbush reported that the PlayStation Classics reveal earlier this week uh, came with that confirmation. Uh, let's see. The initial launch lineup will be the full catalog for the PlayStation Classic. Yeah, there's a quote here. There are no plans to bring new content to PlayStation Classic post-launch. So, anyway, do you think you're going to pick one up or not? Nah, I don't think I will. Okay. I might, I might, I'm not, I'm on the fence. I definitely wanted the Super NES Classic Mini. I definitely wanted the NES Classic Mini because I just never owned those systems and, and the, the games that came with them, I'm like, oh yeah, these are great. Like I, what, what if they came with, what if the, the PlayStation Classic Mini came with Twisted Metal? I still have Twisted Metal for the regular play. I mean, I think I still have my PS2 in California with, with all my Twisted Metal. So I'll be like, okay, cool. Uh, you know, to me, so, uh, yeah, I, I, you know. To me, it'd be kind of a waste of money. Yeah. Not in that sense. Well, that's your gaming news, Steve. <laughs> Thank you, Russ. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, we do have some fun things to talk about also with movie news. Now, have you heard about the first look at Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker? I saw something on YouTube. Yeah, I'm not really sure what I think about it quite yet. I am a huge fan of of Joaquin Phoenix being the Joker. I know I you are. I think he has the acting chops to pull this off. Do you think so? I hope so. I'm not sure so, but I hope so. What else do you think? He it looks like they're trying to capture the look of the Arkham Joker, like the Arkham Knight. Oh, really? And to me, that's how, how he looks, yeah. I 
am really hoping that they just let him do his thing because I, I can't really think at this point in time, I can't think of anyone else who could really pull off like a Joker. I would want to see other than Joaquin Phoenix. I think that this is a perfect role for him. Looking at the picture, I, they had like a still image floating around of him without the makeup. It's just him looking. He's looking really gaunt, honestly, pretty anorexic. He has kind of like long hair, similar to that of Heath Ledger. Uh, but just his look, dude, it's like, you, just to remind you, you know, it's an origin story of how Joker came to be. And I, I, I so far I'm looking forward to it. They also, Todd Phillips, who's the director, had released this really short, it's almost like test footage, like test makeup, like where they, they put makeup on Joaquin Phoenix. And you can find it on, I think it's on Warner Brothers Instagram account, but there is some massive potential there. I mean, I, I'm just like, even though it's not the final, final look, I'm like, okay, I'm digging this. Let me, let's, let me, let me just say, this is like the first positive thing I've seen probably since the Dark Knight Rises. Well, no. I'll say Man of Steel, the first Man of Steel movie that came out. Because since that time, I mean, you had Batman versus Superman, you had the Justice League. You know what? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna retract that again. Since Wonder Woman. So yeah, you know, actually, there have been certain titles that have come out from the the, the DC camp where it's like, okay, they've been good things, but they've also been train wrecks like Suicide <laughs> Squad oh, and Batman versus yeah. Superman and even Justice League to that extent. So. I, for one, am looking forward to it. And it's going to come out next year. So <sighs> it feels good. It feels good to, to just have confidence in something coming out of DC again. Well, let's hope so, Russ. Now, of course, earlier this week, uh, we saw some photo goodness of Captain Marvel. And... I think you posted the trailer I on sure did. our Joygasm Facebook page. We have more than just photos, Russ. Well, that's good. Well, you know, of course, the first official uh, image of Brie Larson as Captain Marvel has been revealed. Entertainment Weekly uh, had a, a cover featuring Brie Larson, and they had some kind of like little article in there, but they really couldn't show off uh, too much of it. But um, let me see. There are some little nuggets here from the EW article. Uh, it confirms that this is uh, not a traditional origin story beginning after Carol Danvers already has her powers and has joined a Kree military team called Star Force. Taking place in the 90s, Samuel L. Jackson will play a younger Nick Fury, complete with both of his eyes. And a desk job at S.H.I.E.L.D. The report also confirms that Jude Law, who I'm a big fan of. Do you like Jude Law? I haven't seen Yeah, yeah, I do like Jude Law. I haven't seen him in a while, though. Okay. He um, apparently is a Kree military commander. There's also been... Let me see if I can say this right. Mendelssohn as Talos, the head of Skrull, Invasion of Earth, will appear in the film. And, of course, Captain Marvel will return to Earth to find out about her past presumably revealing the origin of these powers and fight off the shape-shifting scroll threat. Describing the character, Larson says, quote, she can't help but be herself. She can be aggressive and she can have a temper and blah, blah, blah. And I think this, this is a quote that I had mentioned uh, early on during the, the previous episode. She of has Jordan a Gassi. temper and blah, blah, huh, Ross? Well, <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go through <laughs> it. Written by the Hollywood Reporter, blah, blah. I had... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> no. <laughs> That's a quote. Yeah, no, I, I um, had done this quote in the previous episode of Joygasm, but I think it applies here still. She can't help but be herself. She can be aggressive and she can be have a temper and she can be a little invasive and in, in your face. She's also quick to jump to things, which makes her amazing in battle because she's the first one out there and doesn't always wait for orders. But the not waiting for orders is to some a character flaw. End quote. So take that with with uh, however you uh, want to, Steve, with some salt or pepper or some uh, salsa. I don't you, know. You haven't watched the trailer yet, have you? Huh? I have watched it. Oh, you have. So you know that Nick Fury actually does have hair also. You know what, Steve? Now that we're talking about it, I, think, I cannot think of anything better than to fade the music out and actually have us get a little refresher on the trailer here. Let's uh, go ahead and get this set up. Are, are, are you uh, down for watching it, Steve? Uh, sure, Ross. Let's take a little look see. Blockbuster. I love how it opens with that <laughs> with the blockbuster video. Totally 90s. language. I know a renegade soldier when I see one. Never occurred to me that one might come from above. Marvel Studios. Space invasion. Big car chase. Truth be told, I was ready to hang it up till I met you today. So yep. you're not from around here. It's hard to explain. I keep having these memories. I see flashes. I think I had a life here. But I can't tell if it's real. What do you think? Well, what? Actually, my, my first thought is, man, that looks way more intense than the Predator. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's saying something. Oh man! So, yeah. Um, what's the guy's name from uh, the original, like Shield guy? Not Nick Fury, but was it Phil? Phil, Agent Phil. And that's Phil in there, right? Yes, it, it is. Yeah. So that, that, that's freaking awesome. I'm not sure what I think about her quite yet. I, mean, I don't know if she looks like she's trying too hard to be menacing or she's just a serious character or it's a serious, you know, origin story, what it is. So, jury's still out. Uh, definitely reminds me of a little bit of the Phoenix. I could see a little bit of a Phoenix vibe. Yeah, a little bit there towards the end, Russ. Um, <laughs> uh, Jude Law looks awesome, but I... Um, I always love Jude Law. 
I, I've seen the trailer a few times because when you when when you see him and his eyes, whatever is going on with his eyes, you, you could see. I don't know if it's just incomplete special effects or what, but the makeup of his eyes or the or the computer effects is off center. It's like really? not, yeah. <laughs> if you if you pause it right then, and you look at his eye. I think it's his right eye. You can see like the where it's colored is off, and you can see his actual eyeball. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, take a look at it. Russ. I, for one, I'm looking forward to it. I really like the vibe of it. I loved how they started out with blockbuster video at the beginning. It really sets the the tone of this taking place in the '90s, and everything about it. I think I think <laughs> Brie late fees. They're gonna they gotta mention late fees, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three days. Um, no, I think that there's a lot there. I, I love how there's a younger Samuel L. Jackson. This whole, like, there's a trend going on in special effects these days where they are doing, like, kind of like anti-aging process. We saw it in Ant-Man and the Wasp with Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer where, like, they were kind of like the younger years and they actually looked young. I'm like, whoa. They did it with, I think, Kurt Russell in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think we've seen it somewhere else and I'm, I can't think of who it is off the top of my head. But again, seeing it with Samuel L. Jackson, it, it's just cool. And I love how they're they're taking the time to have some of these origin stories take place in decades that, you know, obviously we were younger in, but we were alive. And of course, with the millennials, they were just being born at that point in time. But it's just cool. It just, it, it furthers, like just cements the world of, of Marvel and, and the MCU in just this whole time period that just, it didn't begin in the 2000s. And so it's cool. Like, you know, Steve Rogers was back in the thirties and forties and they've been just kind of, again, fleshing out more and more of the, the time period as time goes on. I, I always have an appreciation for that. I'm very curious to find out also about the character because obviously I didn't collect Captain Marvel comics at all. I, I, didn't know about this character until really um, the end of uh, the Avengers Infinity War. Speaking of which, um, at the end of, of Avengers Infinity War, when he brings out the pager, yes, I thought a pager, really a pager. And so then we think about the '90s. You got to think about pagers. Sure. I had a pager for crying out loud. And you, <laughs> you yeah. Know. Oh man. Remember we used to call them beepers. Yeah. Remember when you tried to spell something with the numbers to your friend? They had to turn the page upside down. Oh, man. Uh, apparently, Captain Marvel is due to be released on March 8th of next year. So it's it's pretty close to my birthday. Not entirely close, but, you know, I'm glad it's in March. I'll have to go check it out. I, I, I think it's going to be good. I, I cannot wait. And, of course, you know, Infinity War Part 2 comes out, I think, like, either in April or May. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty close release schedule with that. Moving on here, uh, Disney confirms Marvel would take over X-Men franchise after after Fox merger. I know we've been um, covering this for quite some time. Both of us are very excited about it. We have some updates here for you. Speaking to The Hollywood Reporter, Iger responded to a question on how Marvel will absorb the X-Men franchise and if Kevin Feige will oversee it. Quote, I think it only makes sense. I want to be careful here because of what's been com communicated to the Fox talks, but I think they know it only makes sense for Marvel to be supervised by one entity. There shouldn't be two Marvels, end quote, which I, you know, agree with. Yeah. Makes sense. 
This isn't necessarily a confirmation that X-Men will become a part of the MCU, of course. There is presumably some questions of how to intertwine or wrap up the current X-Men timeline or if it would be rebooted entirely. But this plan certainly makes that a possibility. And I, for one, honestly, I'm done with... I, I think we talked about this. I'm kind of over like the current iteration of X-Men. I think it needs a, a completely new reboot brand new cast i think that we have seen like the sony's take on x-men and that's just all that the masses are aware of but i i for one would like to see a, a brand new direction what do you think well after the end of logan i think they have to do it i mean at the end of logan you feel i don't know hugh jackman was the perfect wolverine and so if they started over they're gonna have, they can't use hugh jackman again i mean they have to use somebody else so they're gonna have to start recasting right so at that point you might as well just do a complete do-over also this is something that i thought you get a kick out of when asked if deadpool could become an avenger Iger was less committed or committal uh, quote, Kevin's got a lot of ideas. I'm not suggesting that's one of them, but who knows? End quote. So it's kind of, you, know, you didn't say no, but it didn't say yes. Disney's $71.3 billion buyout of Fox and its properties looks more and more likely with Disney having one antitrust approval from the U.S. Justice Department. So, you know, it's, come on, it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to get it. And I think it's a great thing. They're going to be able to grab more of those Marvel entities and bring it under the mouse house. I look forward to it. It's just going to be more goodness. They're going to be able to kind of maybe perhaps kind of take a bit of a break from the Avengers because, you know, we've been getting a lot of the stuff going on. Be able to let them have a little bit of a breather, explore a bit more of the X-Men. There's a lot to like in there. And there's a lot of characters in the X-Men too. I mean, yeah, like. Our final story here in movie news is that Conan O'Brien's massive late night archive will soon be available online. Team Coco fans, you may all rejoice just about all of Conan O'Brien's massive 4,000 plus episode late nights. Episodes archive will soon become available to watch online. Announced by Conan himself on the 25th anniversary of his first late night show, Late Night with Conan O'Brien. The first ever episode will be re-released today in honor of that occasion. The whole archive will be released in January of 2019. Conan is currently the longest running late show host in the industry following David Letterman's retirement from the late show with David Letterman in 2015. Conan is also well known for being a writer on The Simpsons and SNL. <laughs> Conan recently made headlines by traveling, of course, to Japan in order to visit Conan Town, though he stopped by Kojima Productions while he was in the area. And of course, Kojima Productions is currently working on the PlayStation 4 exclusive, Death Stranding, your favorite, Steve. Oh, boy. Which will be hosting a stage, uh, excuse me, a stage event during Tokyo Game Show of 2018. And uh, I, for one, I'm looking forward to that game. I know you probably are not very interested. You know, uh, having said that, though, Steve, I think that there is a chance that you will be turned around. I think you may actually really enjoy it. Because, I mean, you've enjoyed Kojima production titles in the past. Yeah, but there's got to be more happening than just you walking around different terrains carrying a baby. And, and avoiding monsters you can't see. Like, what? And that's a, Yeah, moving on. But Conan, Conan does have, like, a video game segment. 
in his show. He does. I mean, he's talked about you know, like The Witcher before, you know, whatever, whatnot. Uh, he'll he'll have some, you know, his assistant play the games. He'll comment on it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played God of War. Uh, so I like those segments. I like that he's plugging himself more and more into not just the gaming community, but just the the geek culture. Like he, he always goes to the San Diego Comic-Con. He does a, an episode, I believe, there. And so people can buy tickets and be a part of that. Um, and of course, just when it comes, like you said, like, like that gaming segment that he does, I, I just think it's cool. No other host I'm aware of really spends that kind of attention on it. No, no. Are you excited about this particular topic of the day? I am, Russ. Well, I say let's go ahead and uh, get right into it. So high-level thoughts on your end, Steve. What did you think Ah. of the Star Wars Secrets of Mm. the Empire virtual reality experience? Well, I guess that depends if I get pink eye tomorrow, you know? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I couldn't couldn't let it go. Okay. Jeez. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, I just said I couldn't pass it up, bro. So, um... Yeah, you know, uh, it was it was definitely a, a tremendous step up from our last virtual reality experience way back when. Absolutely, I think the last time we had one was in the nineties. In the nineties, I think yeah. it was like around ninety seven or. Oh, I think it was earlier than that. Maybe earlier. Earlier, ninety five. It was around the time of the three uh, yeah. D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was around nineteen ninety five, actually. Uh. Around there somewhere, yeah. yeah, maybe a little bit earlier. I maybe think it was actually four. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, the original one that Steve's talking about is there was kind of this um, virtual reality experience where you put on a headset and then you would be kind of standing in a a ring of sorts. Like you couldn't actually walk around in right. rooms or anything. You no. were you were standing stationary and you were just kind of looking around. And I think you had some sort of little play gun thing. Yeah, but you had to push a button to move forward <clears throat> and, and whatnot. 
Is that what it was? I think, yeah, because you, you had to move forward. You had to advance somehow. Either either you had to walk, like force walk this treadmill thing underneath you to go forward. Right, or yeah. push a button. I forgot what it was. But yeah, you couldn't just walk. Like we walked through rooms and stuff. You had to, you were, you were in one small little quarantine. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the graphics were kind of like the first Doom game. You know, right. they had very um, basic, pixelated, pixelated, polygonal, crude, yeah. low poly. Yeah. But at the, at the time, it was still interesting to be able to see just what virtual reality could be. But I mean, I've said this before: virtual reality is it's unique in the sense that it. it comes and goes if you notice and it's based on the leaps of technology like we saw that virtual reality experience in the well i would say mid 90s let's just say that but we really didn't have anything else like for, for first of all that technology became outdated so it didn't stick around it wasn't like it was available everywhere and people were playing it and everything else and also too when it came to the home console market you have some of the, the similar types of situations where like people kind of play with this pseudo, excuse me. Nice. Mm, oh my. Belgy kind of <laughs> sexy kind of, <laughs> it's kind of a, uh, you know, you put it in your smartphone and goggles. You <laughs> yeah. That kind of, yeah. That's a good uh, imagery. <laughs> Anywho, um, but yeah, like it doesn't have staying power. Like it'll come out for a while. It makes a big splash, but then it doesn't have the endurance to keep going. Right. And it's understandably so because its dependency on technology makes it so that like, yeah, initially it's cool, but then it can quickly become outdated due to just the limitations of that time. Right. So yeah. with uh, you mocking me. Right. Um. When it came to this, though, I... Okay, so a little bit of backstory. Okay, Russia. A colleague at work by the name of uh, Gustavo, he had actually uh, found this first and had let me in on the, uh, the whole situation. And so I was aware, on my side of things, I knew of a company called X-Lab that was kind of a, a new group within the Industrial Light and Magic company. And I knew that they were working on something. I didn't know precisely what it was. But then once um, Gustavo was letting me know that, hey, he bought these tickets to this like Star Wars virtual reality experience. And I looked online. Of course, if you go to thevoid.com, they have all the different types of experiences that, that they are currently uh, showing and ones that are coming up soon and that sort of thing. But anyway, uh, big thanks to him because he was the one who actually made me aware of that. And then I was able to purchase tickets. And, and with this type of experience, it has very limited engagements. Like I was looking at their schedule and they have, you know, that it's available for maybe like a month or so. And then apparently there, they have a new type of experience that comes through. And so, especially considering this one was the star Wars one, I really wanted to get in on it. But um, yeah, continue more about, about just what was your, your, reaction to the the whole experience uh it was definitely cool it was uh it was mind bending in a yes. way because part of your mind is is thinking okay well um 
I don't want to be the guy who's going to trip over something or I don't want to be the guy who gets so scared. He goes, oh, you know, he runs across the room or into somebody else and hurts somebody else, hurts yourself. You know, so I think, okay, um, I know this is just a pixelated thing. It's virtual reality, but uh, I, I still don't want to <laughs> test the waters. Yeah. And then you would look down and at some point you don't see where your legs are. And I would see where everybody else's legs were, but I couldn't see mine. So I thought, okay, well, is this a step? My what? you know. So my mind felt like it was constantly playing tricks on me throughout <laughs> the whole entire process. Uh, and eventually, towards the end, I just thought, oh, I'm just gonna go with it. And so when a hallway, when we busted open a door, I just thought, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm not gonna walk safely, you know. I'm just gonna run towards it and then stop when I know I'm close to a mm-hmm. wall because for sure there's a wall there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I thought that the coolest parts were. Well, at- let, let's. <laughs> <laughs> so, so first of all, uh, some ground rules. Let's not give complete spoilers because if people are going to go see it, we don't want to like ruin certain things. So I think it's important to, uh, refrain from certain details regarding what we saw in there. Nah. Like, like we can talk about like, like the effects oh. and the environment and that sort of thing, but oh. definitely don't want to go through like part by part, that sort of things. But, um, start off Steve, if you would, with when you first walk in and you see the virtual reality gear hanging there. Yes. I, for one, really appreciated the presentation of it. I thought it was cool. Like, you know, you walk through the the curtain there and then suddenly you're in the staging part where you have to get the virtual reality gear on. And I really liked how that whole process worked. What'd you think? As far as putting it on or I go, yeah, you know, you walk in, it has like some cool mood lighting. You have this like kind of um, almost like a military esque locker room kind of vibe to it. You have the gear that's hanging um, on these support devices. And so, you know, you, they line you up and you're putting on the, the vest and stuff. And it's just cool. I mean, like it's, it's very more, very more much. Uh, Exclusively, uh, I'm trying to find the word um, for it. Uh, epically, uh, <laughs> cosmetology. Uh. <laughs> I really liked how the vest looked, and I liked how it just just the functionality of how it fit onto you, and then the way that you cinch it on and stuff. I mean, it just it worked out really nicely. Also, the helmet was interesting too. Um, in that, I kind of almost felt like like special forces in a way, like going with night vision goggles or something. I don't know. It was very different from uh, our previous experience, like in the nineties, but I liked how that, you know, they had people who were accommodating, you know, they come over and they make sure everything's good to go. They're kind of giving you a, a, a once over. So I thought that was really cool. And then uh, once you, you know, they, they kind of uh, trot you over to, this little like room. It's like this, you know, your, your visors are up. They're not down yet. you know, we're all just kind of walking over and there's like this kind of standard average square box room that they, they put you into and they're like, okay, go ahead and put your goggles down. And then, um, what was your, what was your reaction when all of a sudden that you put your goggles down and suddenly it was on? 
Well, I, I was nervous because when I was adjusting my, my, my headset, you know, there's two adjustments, one on the top, one in the back. And like, make sure the picture is clear. I'm like, okay, great. Um, so I'm adjusting this nap, but the wheels kept like unturning themselves or like there wasn't <laughs> much of a grip for uh-huh. I was turning. I'm like, ah, oh, nuts. This is going to suck, you know, because I can't get a clear picture. And finally I got it to stick. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought I'm definitely tripping over something. I'm, you know, I, I can't <laughs> see straight. Um, I loved it though. I loved how like when we were able to put the the visors down, suddenly it was like, oh, it's on, and you guys immediately turned into stormtroopers. I thought that was really just a, I don't know, like it, it was just kind of a thrilling thing, and the whole virtual reality experience, I it is just. I was blown away, honestly. I mean, just being able to look around. I mean, yeah, like if I put, if I put my hand in front of my face, like I could see this, uh, you know, it's a stormtrooper glove. And sometimes it would kind of have a little bit of a shakiness to yeah, it. Yeah, jitter. Yeah, a little bit of a jitter. So, yeah, I, you, you know, you say, oh, don't get too detailed. I'm like, oh, crap. I, just, I run no, down no, a bunch no, of I'm details. Saying, and now you're like, all these details. No, I'm saying as it applies to like certain key events that transpired uh, during the experience. <laughs> So, yeah, okay, let's talk about the hands, Russ. Okay, Okay, Steve. Russ. Go ahead, Steve. So, yeah, because I got into the legs before. You're like, uh. No, no, that, all that's fine. <laughs> so, okay. I'm glad you, we were so late laying out the ground rules, Russ. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, the first thing anybody's going to do is they're going to look at, at themselves because they put on this gear and they're going to tell you that you look like a stormtrooper. So, of course, you're going to look at your, right. your anatomy at that point. Look at my crotch. Yeah, look at oh, I got a storm. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Force is strong with that yeah. one. Force is a stallion. Anyway, size matters not. <laughs> So, yeah, I looked at my hands and I thought, oh, well, okay, I got stormtrooper hands and gloves and, you know, my arms are white and yeah. this, that, and the other. And then I made, like, the rock and roll sign with mm-hmm. both my fingers and I thought, okay, they did it. Awesome. And then I thought, okay, what's going to happen if I interlock my fingers? And so I did that and all of a sudden my hands kind of broke apart into themselves. <laughs> I, uh, I guess it's not, not going to do that. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, and yeah, then I was looking around at everybody else. I'm like, yep, there's stormtroopers. Look to my left, my right. Yep. Stormtrooper. Um, and then I would reach out and then sometimes I just want to like touch you or smack you. And then my, my hand would just disappear. I'm like nuts. And then, but if I reached a little bit further than that, then yeah, you definitely would be there and I'd, uh-huh. you know, push you or something. <laughs> so I, I wasn't the only one because, uh, you know, our, our teammate sat next to me at one point and he was like reaching around. He had grabbed my leg and then I grabbed your leg and I'm like, okay, everyone's grabbing each other. Uh, yeah, we're all still here. So <laughs> these a lot rebel- of love in this room. <laughs> this rebel alliance is kind of touchy feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, but yeah, at first, you know, putting on the pack, I thought, uh, you know, I'm cinching everything down and I wanted to make sure everything was tight because mm. that's part of the whole experience. I just, Really, I thought I was going to pass out. I was so tight. I was like, man, okay, wait. I don't want to go in there. I don't want to go in there yet. You know what? As we were walking in, I thought it would be funny to go, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't. And I thought, mm, for insurance reasons, I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, probably get not. It's not going to be funny. Yeah. I held my tongue, Ross. 
Well, and I thought, it, it, okay, so since you're talking about that, what's funny <laughs> is that the the employees of this thing, I mean, they take their jobs very seriously. And it's kind of funny because you have fans of Star Wars who are wanting to, to, to experience this thing. So naturally everyone's excited and they're having a good time. And so you're going to have people making funny jokes and, you know, just verbal comments and stuff. But I thought it was interesting how they didn't really let themselves be carefree. Like they were trying to be kind of like the stoic, like, okay, you need to do this, you need to do that. Da, 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 da. And it was not neither here nor there, but like, you know, like I, I made a joke at one point when we were putting the, the suit on, I'm like, oh, now I know what a corset feels like after I like tighten everything up and yeah. stuff. And the guy who was on us like didn't crack a smile or anything. Yeah. It was just like, okay, it's going to be like that then. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it it was just such a, a neat thing though because they we we start off and um there are several things that just first of all, okay, let's let's talk about the visuals. The graphics were were extremely impressive, I thought. I mean like like it was if you could tell, I mean obviously it was still kind of a CG-ish kind of environment, but it honestly felt like it was getting close to almost like, like us interacting with a movie. I mean, it really did, in my opinion, like just, I suppose we could, we could, we could kind of back up a bit here for a second. The, the experience takes place in between episodes three and four. So basically right around the time that, that uh, rogue one was launched is right around that time period. You do have some of the cast that you come across in the, <clears throat> the experience. So it's right around that. Yeah. But in terms of what, like, just what you see in terms of like, you know, if you're on in an elevator or you're on a ship or you're on a planet or whatever, um, the the trailer for this experience is not doing a bunch of smoke and mirrors. I mean, it's not like there's like pre rendered cinematics and then you get on the the experience that like you're in the virtual reality. And you're like, oh yeah, this is this looks kind of fake, like. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like it looks really good. Yeah, no, there was there was definitely times when it looked better than other times. Uh, like there was transi- transition points where looking around, thinking, there were transgender uh, moments. Yeah, uh, um, <laughs> like what in the world? No, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the future, sure, whatever. Um, <laughs> just don't take my stormtrooper suit away from me. So. Yeah, when, during these transition moments, I'm looking around thinking, okay, you know, it looks rather basic, and then you get to where you're supposed to get to, and right. it's like, oh, all right, well, here we go. Yeah, yeah, I really got the sensation. Well, it reminded me a lot of how Star Tours was the first time I rode it at Disneyland, where like it, it was kind of a simulation ride, really fun. I mean, it, just the the wizards over at um, Industrial Light Magic were involved. George Lucas was involved with that ride. And it was just, it was so cool because it allowed you to be a part of the Star Wars universe and have just, just these moments of going like into the, the Death Star um, and have like, like different types of, um, battles with like the star destroyers and that sort of thing. I mean, overall it was just a really neat interactive experience. And I feel like this has really taken that to the next level in terms of just like even looking upward, like they're they're like the verticality of this virtual reality experience I thought was really cool because I'm so used to just, if I'm playing a game 
or watching a movie, I'm used to just kind of looking straight ahead or looking left or looking right. In this experience, though, I mean, we were looking up and you could see into different types of imperial corridors and like open spaces and stuff. Or if like we were on a planet, there would be like cliff areas and stuff that you could look down and you're I mean, I got a real sense of depth looking at all that, which was just fantastic because again, like, like most of what we're used to is just kind of this 2d plane. Um, and that's about it. And so it was just, it was neat to be able to look at just what the, the production value is of just this experience overall. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And the movements too, the animation of the different characters and that sort of thing I thought was on point. Did you like the animations? Yeah, I did. Um, I think during the types of, you know, gunfire and whatnot, those could have been a little bit better. Um, and the aiming, because there was times where I'm like, I'm really trying to aim. Like, I would hit something. <laughs> I really, really would. And then I thought, okay, maybe I should just aim off kilter a little bit. And I had some, a little bit better luck with that. But, um, yeah, also, too, there were times where we had to walk over stuff. Yes. And then I thought, hmm. I wonder what would happen if I actually stubbed my foot on something, you know? I mean, it, up to this point, it was all flat surfaces. So yeah. I thought, hmm. So I kind of like moved my foot around the floor and there was something there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, and okay. So let, let's segue into the, the different senses that they enabled when one of which is touch. And I thought that that was, man, that just adds so much to the experience when you're in this virtual reality world, but then you actually have physical objects that correspond to what you see with your visor, which was just amazing because um, like there was a, a, a moment where I was having to interface with a, some sort of physical console in order to break a code. And my hand was actually touching something that, that represented what I was seeing and completely matched what I was seeing. I thought that that was just fantastic. Also, there's a moment where you receive your blasters and this is not really a spoiler. It's like you, you start out and you don't have your blasters, but then you go into a room where they're, they're sitting there waiting for you. And I, I think I was the first one to walk into that room. And I, I was thinking, can I grab that? And so I go over to it and I'm, I see my glove reach out to it and I can in fact grab the gun that's just hanging out there. Not only can I grab it, but the contours and the ridges and everything that I'm seeing through the visor, it matches what my fingers are feeling on this, this device, which is super cool because that starts to really mess with my mind. What about, what about you? Yeah. When I was, uh, when I grabbed the, the weapon and after the whole thing was over and I lifted up my visor and the weapon looked exactly how it did in my visor. I thought, oh, all right, cool. Oh, I didn't know you lifted your visor up. Well, no, not during the thing. Oh, when it was all when done. When it was all done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and what's interesting too is like, like <laughs> I accidentally um, shot off a laser. Yeah. You're like, the, oh, look at this. <laughs> like, good thing it wasn't. I mean, I think you actually did. Someone, something happened because I felt a little in my vest. <laughs> Great. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and, and so that it was funny because then that set us onto this trajectory where we were no longer like infiltrating be subtly and stuff, how we actually had to like go out guns blazing, which was really funny. I felt like that was very appropriate for us, <laughs> Shh. 
But it made me wonder, and, and again, I want to come back and try this again because I'm curious if that's just what happens or if there are different paths that you can take in that experience and that based on like that one little thing, for instance, like do you go, does a, does a different door open up or is it just the same thing no matter it's what? It's almost like they're the same thing no matter what. Yeah. I, that's what I would bet, uh, bet on. Did you notice there was two triggers on the gun? Yes. And did you notice there was also like a, a, a pump yes. on the gun? So I thought, I mean, am I the only... I, th- I was trying to experiment thing. Maybe one trigger was like a you know different fire, and then the pump would do some something else, and then nothing happened. It was just the same thing. So I thought my gun broken. Yeah, I was I was experiencing the same things. I noticed it almost had like a grenade launcher type thing, but I couldn't get in. You know, I tried racking it; it didn't work. Um, but the two different triggers is weird because both my index finger and my middle finger had triggers on it, and I could I could alternate between the two to fire. Um, a laser. Right. I thought it would fire faster and it really didn't. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure what the, the deal was on that. And I was actually kind of surprised too. Like if there are different types of abilities with the weapon, it wasn't like we received any kind of training or heads up like, Hey, here are the different abilities that this thing is capable of. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was really cool too. I, I found myself kind of running my hands along the walls. Like anytime we went through like an opening, I would kind of intentionally grab the hand, let my hands on the on the corners, and it felt correct. I mean, like just going through, it was like wow, that that is super cool. Another sense that they um, um, really had fun with was just the sense of temperature. And so it's no secret. I mean, you're on like as part of the experience, you're kind of on this lava oriented planet and it was super cool to like feel the heat. Yeah. Especially when we got a little bit closer to it. Yeah. Like, like you didn't notice it as far as, but then as you got closer to it, you're like, Whoa, like I could actually feel this kind of heat that's coming onto my skin. And just, again, associating that with the visuals, I was like, wow. Like, like I found myself just, accepting it just like yeah we're here like i think that was the coolest thing is like there was never really a moment where i did not feel like we had been transported into star wars like the whole time like once those visors went down and we were doing our thing i would say probably the only time i got pulled out of that was when i looked down and i couldn't see my own legs right i think that was the only time really that that was a problem but everything else was was really cool what did what did you think of uh, the temperature changes now that was I thought it was going to do that more than once mm. uh, because I noticed it then. And, it, you know, they, the whole experience is timed. So it's not like it's going to go on forever and, and you know, whatever. Right. So you have to move the thing along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those people can lie and can wait. We're just going to take our time here. <laughs> we'll do some sightseeing. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I noticed also that not only with the temperature, but there was like a, a, a blow of wind. Yes. Or a breeze. And so uh-huh. when we were, like, uh, descending... Then I could feel a. Uh huh. I'm sorry for anybody who was just hurt their ears there from my whistle, but there was like a a a, a wind, a breeze, and I thought, well, oh, that's kind of cool. All right, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was some olfactory stuff going on yeah. there. I'm like, okay, uh, <laughs> some factory smells. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. and I go ahead. Okay, so let's segue into smell. So smell <laughs> was segue another thing too. Smells. Because we weren't talking about touching and feeling. Actually, before we get into too much of that, so the other thing about regarding touch was they actually had moments where things would shake. Like you'd have some um, shimmering going on or some jostling of sorts or whatever. And that was super cool. 
I don't know. Okay, so there's there's a moment where we're kind of on this, um, not a catwalk, but we're kind of on this like terrace area that overlooks kind of the lava area. And there was a piece of the wall that got blown open next to you, if you recall. Like, right. And it had almost like magma that was on the right. ground. Yeah. Did you step in it? That's what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was really cool because like, I was stepping in and it, it, it like felt like squishy. Yeah. Some sort of squishy, like just melted metal magma kind of stuff. And then that, that again, just really made my brain go, okay, I, this is cool. I'm into this. <laughs> <laughs> also too, like anytime I got shot, you know, playing a lot of the laser tag, you have a kind of a basic vest on and it kind of vibrates a little bit, letting you know that, that someone shot you or something. And so it's like, oh, I mean, that was cool because that was force feedback. And of course, that was back in the 90s. However, now there are different types of feedback that I experienced during the um, the overall experience. Did you have that as well? No, not really. I mean, I had a vibration every once in a while, and there's different vibe, you know, packs in the vest. I thought I'm thinking actually that they maybe have used the vest for the winds or the the smells or something. Maybe that's how they did it. But other than a vibration here and there, um, it, that that's that was it. I you know it was really cool. I noticed that there were different types, like like a, depending on like if a stormtrooper shot me. Um, depending on if it was like like a full on like body shot versus like just a I don't know a little flesh wound or something, it was just something that grazed me. It, you could identify those different types of, of looks. Also, I could see when something like there were times when I, I get shot like right around my collarbone, and I could see like some kind of spark kind of action that would happen at the same time I'm feeling it. So that was really cool. Anyway, moving into the sense of smell. So it was really fun too. Is that like I think the big one for me was when we were outside in the, on that alien planet and because it's, it's all volcano and everything else, you could smell the burning embers and stuff. Yeah. But it was literally ash. It was, it was was heat. Yeah. Yeah. Like heat and ash and everything else. I mean that like, that was so cool. Yeah. I brought it to to a different level because more your senses are, are, are being used at that point. It's not just that you're looking around doing stuff, but you're actually touching and then you're smelling. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that they incorporated those different areas because it makes for a much more immersive experience in my opinion. I mean, it's just every time that we did something. Another thing too, just in terms of the visuals was that for us, like, like there were moments where like, you know, we're going across like a very narrow catwalk or we're on like some kind of, very small transport of some kind, but you're able to kind of like, you know, you're being carried over some sort of huge ravine or something to that effect. And just looking down and seeing what's kind of moving and stuff, it definitely did give the impression that, man, we are up high. And like, I almost got kind of nervous. Like, man, I hope I don't step off this thing. I might fall, you know, like that kind of thing I thought was really cool. Just being able to have that kind of, almost nervousness of like not wanting to fall off and being careful where I step. I mean, again, this is virtual reality. I'm not going to fall anywhere, but you can see where this technology can go. You know, one, one thought I had when I lowered my goggles to go back for a minute is that maybe the goggle, I'm just size my face or whatever, but I could see the borders of the screen and my goggles. Okay. And so to me, I thought, okay, if that was, closer or wider, let's say, for example. So more of my peripheral vision was taken up by 
the visuals, the program visuals, uh-huh. that would be more immersive, but I could still see the border, especially towards the bottom. So I thought, okay, I'm still looking at a screen, but man, if that, if, if I couldn't see that at all, it was just me looking around like, oh my gosh, I'm transported into this new environment. You know, <laughs> that would be, that would be pretty killer. Yeah. The whole, man, the whole thing was just really, really fun. What I would like to see is a bigger squad. Like I would like to see double the people in there. Yeah. So that's something that we talked about earlier too, was like, I, I don't know if they have, again, this goes back to the whole path question is if you have more than four people in your party, is that possible? Like, can you have like eight people? And then at that point, then you're going down a different, um, maze so to speak. Well, the website only says it's four people. Okay. So I think that's just it. Okay. I mean, later on, I would hope that, you know, they would, you could do eight people because that would be neat if you, you were in a, a major firefight and you had to duck and there had to, you had to hide behind stuff and, <laughs> you know, there was all this fire and right. shrapnel stuff going on around you and you kind of had, maybe had a life meter or something. So you had to hide and then time your shots, maybe, you know, stuff like that as opposed to just shooting. Right. So that would be pretty, pretty sweet. Or, or you had to strategize maybe somehow. Mm. Yeah, that would be cool. I actually, there were, there was a moment toward the end, uh, not the very end, but toward the end where um, I was actually using a wall for cover. Like I would swing out and fire at some stormtroopers and then come back for cover again. And so that I found to be very satisfying, especially to what you're talking about. I would like to see in the future more of that being utilized where you can have certain types of objects that you can use for cover and then pop up and everything. Because then at that point, it's like, wow, this is feeling really legit. Yeah. So, and I really do, you know, going back to the Star Tours, Star Tours had a certain kind of tangibility to it, even though like you didn't feel anything yourself and you were, it it was like a a motion simulator is what it was. Right. But the visuals, like, I don't know, for some reason it just really felt like we were really bumping into stuff and we were really flying by things. And just in terms of like how the visuals look, it just looks like, like something that was just industrial, you know? And I think that in this virtual reality experience, it carried that on. It carried the torch, which is, I mean, that's a huge compliment considering that we're, we're really close up to stuff and we're not just constantly zooming by things. So your eye doesn't have time to process things visually speaking. Um, what else did you think, Steve? Well, um, I, I thought that they, you know, whenever we reached out to touch something, it was typically just a flat wall or it was a railing. Right. Or it was our I weapon. never felt a railing. I felt a railing. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, I, but it was real basic objects that you could reach out and feel. Sure. And then there were times where I saw different 3D texture type stuff that was on the wall and I reached out to try and touch that and my hand just disappeared. And I okay. thought, oh, shucks. <laughs> so I thought it would be cool if uh, maybe, you know, maybe in the next iteration, um, and this is not a criticism whatsoever. I'm just thinking like, you know, Hey, we're at this point now, where can we go from here? If at one point, um, I don't know, we, maybe we had to board a ship and then the pilot died and then someone goes like, you got to fly the ship and you have to choose in your squad. Hey, someone's got to fly this yes. thing, you know, and then you guys got to you know have my back and shoot or, or, do, or whatever. take the guns or take the guns. Like, Ex- like the millennium Falcon. Exactly. That would be freaking sweet. So now that'd be, that'd be awesome. I, you know, but you got to think 
you see, we can dream and, and create and stuff all, all day long, but there has to be a moving line of, okay, people outside are waiting, you know, and they don't, no one wants to wait an hour for you to get done whatever you want to get done. You know, that, so at some point you have to say, okay, there's a cost versus, versus time spent and here, you know, whatever and whatnot. But I think man. that's a great idea. I think, I think especially yeah. when you see like with this, like, the, like we were just as a, as a squad and we're being taken from place to place. And then there are opportunities to be able to fire your weapon and that sort of thing. And that's all fine. But yeah, like I think that if they were able to get it more sophisticated, be able to actually have more of those roles, like what you're talking about, I think that that would certainly add more gravity to the situation because suddenly it's like, okay, in order for us to be able to successfully triumph over this, everybody's got to make sure that they're pulling their weight and you got to right. like, you know, hop too. you can't just be messing around. I, yeah. I think that would be fantastic. Um, you know, one thing that I didn't, I, I was hoping they would have, but I didn't know, I didn't ex- know what to expect until afterward. I thought since I'm a stormtrooper, I want to hear myself click at the end of my sentence. Like where do you think we're going to later? Russ? <laughs> you know, sort of thing I wanted to hear. <laughs> and I did hear it. I was very tempted to actually do some of the stormtrooper lines from the movies, but we were moving too quick. So like, yeah, it's not going to work. Um, what were you gonna say? Oh, he's he's looking at something. Um, uh, I was trying to remember what I was gonna say. So one of the things I just I, I did afterwards is I was able to sit down with Gustavo and his lovely wife Cynthia, who had accompanied us as uh, stormtroopers on this, and just get some of their thoughts. And I'd like to be able to share that with you guys right now. Okay, so we just got out of the Void experience with Star Wars Secrets of the Empire, and I'm with other members of my crew. There are four-man crews that were going in. I guess they're squads is probably a better word for that. But uh, what was your impression of the, the experience? I thought it was amazing. Like, the graphics looked great. Um, it was really immersive. I didn't like that I couldn't see my legs. Yeah. I, I kept feeling like the Lieutenant Dan thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about the future uh, of what's coming. Mm-hmm. If this is kind of the beginning of an immersive theater-going experience, then like, I'm 100% sold. Yes, and it got me thinking, too, about just what the future holds in terms of movie theaters, because they're, they're at that point where they're trying to figure out what the next big thing is, just because the home theater experience has actually really gotten to a point where... It can mimic a lot of what the theaters traditionally can do, and I feel like this is kind of a glimpse almost as to like something you can do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I would say that um, I'm actually I'm ready for more than a 20 minute ride. You know, I yeah. I wish I could be in there for an hour. Now, granted, you know the guy was saying that the packs might be a little heavy for some folks and everything like that. So I think there's a lot of logistics that have to go into totally yeah. being able to be immersive. For an hour and also just cre- the world creation mm-hmm. um but yeah i'm i'm completely stoked like, i mean it was heavy for me after five minutes i was shocked whenever they unclipped it and then all the weight was on me i don't think i could handle longer and then i also think being in there longer would kind of screw with my equilibrium and my vision <laughs> um i was really impressed with the headset because i always think i have to take off my glasses and i did not have to take off my glasses or adjust them so right that was I was actually really nerdly impressed with that. that cool. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing to take into consideration. Because you know, like, I can't watch 3D movies. Right. Yeah. Which is okay. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I'm over the 3D movies. But this, 
this is so this is so different you yeah. know what did you um, think of being able to like smell certain smells it's like feel the heat from the lava that was really really cool yeah yeah i think they really put a lot of thought into the set design i guess for lack of a better phrase um and and being able to kind of trigger your senses mm -hmm. to make it feel more realistic you know it didn't seem like popcorn at all yeah no popcorn yeah. that's a good thing yeah. The, uh, the, there were a couple of moments where like I noticed there was almost like inertia feeling like when we were walking on a catwalk and I didn't know if that was my mind messing with me or if they actually had some kind of rig set up where like it kind of jostles a little bit when you're walking. Did you I guys really, feel that? Yeah, I did, but I, th I think it's the visual. Like you're seeing stuff kind of fly by you and, and then you feel like you're in mo motion, but I don't think we were actually in motion at that point, but I felt it too. Yeah. Especially when they lifted you up. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I need a squat so that I don't fall off of this. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's, as they as like go into perfecting it, um, you know, obviously being able to see your legs is a major, a major thing. Right. Um, and so like you can't see yourself, which is kind of difficult. So then whenever you're trying to walk, it becomes really jarring. Uh, but that's also really entertaining too because it, it makes you more nervous. It makes you more hyper aware. Right. Um, so I can kind of see both sides of it. I would prefer to be able to actually see my legs. Um, but again, I, I, this is just the beginning. You know, I can't imagine what it'll be in two, three years. Oh, no. Or even just a few months. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Is yeah. there anything that you, that you didn't care about? It? You know, you mentioned the leg thing, but was there anything else? Um, I couldn't hear. Like, if, if my other team members were giving me instructions, I couldn't hear them at all. But the sound of all, all the other stuff that was happening, like the explosions and the gun and the, even, like, the sound of that lava monster, mm -hmm. that was really cool, but I couldn't hear if anybody was telling me to duck or anything at all. I think once I start being able to get, like, your visual, mm -hmm. your personal visual down, I think that'll be a little bit more immersive because it won't be as jarring. Yeah. Um, and so you'll feel, you know, I better walk this way and you can see what you're doing. And I think you'll feel more comfortable and confident. Do you think you're going to come back and do the Star Wars experience a second time or a third time? I would love to bring my nephews. I think they'd have a great time. It's a little pricey, but I don't know. After having done it, for me, I think it was worth it. I don't know if it would be worth it to bring... Children. One of the kids. Yeah. <laughs> the older one, I think it would be. I mean, yeah, I think the older one would like it. Would love it, but I think my little nephew would complain. <laughs> Are you trying to break stuff? You know. I mean, maybe yeah. that would be good though. Yeah. <laughs> what is your feeling of, of just the the ability to touch things? Uh, I thought that they could kind of improve on that, mm -hmm. um, but even thinking about that was really cool. So, like, for example, when you pull the lever down. Yes. Um, Who the, pulled it, by the way? Was it you or? Was I think it, it was all of us. It was, it was me and her. I think. <laughs> okay. Did you pull it? I didn't pull it. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I saw it, and I saw we were being shot at. So, so. <laughs> um, I bumped into it when I ran into the door, and I was like, ow! And then I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's the other thing, too, I thought was really cool, was the element of surprise. Mm -hmm. Like, in a game, you know something is going to happen. But when you're in an immersive environment, it could happen. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. So somebody can be shooting you from a corner, and you don't even realize it, and you're dead. You know, right. so... I thought that was really cool. Like, you need to be more aware as you're partaking in the story. Right. So I think there's that moment of being like, oh, okay, this is going to be a fun game. And then, like, you really get into it. You're like, okay, I'm getting shot at constantly. Let me actually focus. Yeah. And then you switch over, and then you're like, okay, now I'm in this. Any other concluding uh, thoughts about it? No, I think I'm going to do that, that haunted house next. 
You're gonna go for it? Yeah, I'm gonna Are you try gonna go it. with them? Maybe. <laughs> and then, um, and then, I, definitely looking forward to Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. Like if if I can, I don't know if I can play with Tetris or something. You know what I mean? Or like, like I can't even imagine what they're gonna do. The possibilities. Like Tetris would be like the worst. Like coming down at you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like other things, like Donkey Kong would be really cool. Oh, you can just climb up the stairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can't jump. Liability things. I mean, there's a lot of things they've got to figure sure. out. Yeah. Uh, I could see like how like they could take traditional gymnasiums that normally you take your kids to yeah, to like get yeah. like energy like out of them. Yeah. yeah, like have foam pits and like other things and just be able to like I don't know if there's a way where they can make it so you don't break a bone or something. I think that'd be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. I mean, we did sign a really, 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 really long waiver. Yes. <laughs> Who knows what was in that? <laughs> Although I wish you could see the scores without having to sign up for the full. Like uh, the void experience thing, yeah. Because I don't like getting like newsletters or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, I oh, wanted to know how well we did. You know, yeah. we didn't send them. And we'll never know. Well, so. thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. So that was again uh, just a treat to be able to get their thoughts on that. And that reminds me of a of a couple of things. One is it makes me think about what the future holds in terms of movie theaters in general, because traditionally speaking, movie theaters in the past have kind of been like the place to go to experience a movie. And the audience comes in, you sit down and you just watch as this, the story is told to you. And there is always going to be a place for that because ever since the beginning of man, um, you know, humanity has always had um, an interest in, storytelling. They've always, you know, whether it's around a campfire versus a TV or a huge IMAX screen, everyone loves to be told a story or be entertained. Exactly. Be entertained. And so, um, recently the theaters have been struggling to come up with a way to bring a lot of the masses back on a regular basis. Yeah. You still have your tentpole films, but a lot of the the home theaters have really taken off. I mean, it's becoming more of, of a normalcy for new houses um, to have some kind of media room that is dedicated toward watching movies, playing video games, that sort of thing. And then also with the availability of having like 4K and 6K projectors, you're essentially getting a movie experience, especially with stadium seating in your own house and you have the crazy, you know, 7.2 surround sound or whatever it is that you have. Again, theater owners are looking at, okay, how can we compete against that? And I really do believe that this provided a glimpse into the future in terms of how movies could perhaps evolve where maybe there are certain experiences, not for all movies, but just for certain ones where suddenly you take a proactive role in the film. You play a character. And you're, the people that you're with could also be characters in addition to the virtual characters that are there. And especially if, if it goes on for like an hour long, like what Gustavo was mentioning, or perhaps it was two hours or something to that effect, where you are really immersed into this whole entire experience I think that 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 is the key right there. Based on what we saw today, I really do believe that if they are able to somehow have something that is extremely well thought out, and it doesn't matter what genre it is, really. I mean, if it's a drama or a thriller or sci-fi, whatever it is, I mean, just think about the possibilities of like 
what kind of lasting impact would you have if you had that type of experience? Or if you, um, let's say you had that kind of experience, but I experienced something that you did not experience. And I tell you, man, did you see that one thing that happened? You're going, no, I hadn't, you know, I was around the corner or something doing something else. And right. I had no clue. So that means that you want to experience what I experienced and I want to experience what you experienced. So we might have to come back and spend twice as much money because we want to have a different experience of the same experience. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I, I, I've been saying for quite a while that the theaters have to do something uh, different than what they've been doing because they can't even hold up the resolution of the screen, let alone right. a, you know, any kind of immersion. Or what they could do, though, is, I mean, if you want to like, take it down a level, uh, not have the immersion, they could have, like, these different cameras that would project almost a 3D image, and you can almost sit, uh, like the audience could sit in an arc, not just a stadium, but an arc. Mm-hmm. And so you would, each of the, the audience members would have a different viewpoint of the same movie that was happening. Yeah. Like for example, go. if you think like, you know, Pearl Harbor, something, you know, that was made that, that still a special effects staple. Right. Um, if I was seeing the attack on Pearl Harbor from a different perspective with the planes flying by that you saw, you know, or if that scene when they were driving through Hawaii and they're trying to get sure. to the air, the, the, the airport to, or the airfield to take off, but I'm sitting in a different spot in the car than you're sitting in. So your, our perspectives are too different, you know, stuff like that. And you know, that actually would be a fantastic idea. I mean, even looking at like a, a broad range of different types of virtual reality experiences, like the one that I gave was much more hands-on. Like you yeah. are actually running around, yeah. grabbing stuff, Which, doing stuff, yeah. talking. You can even talk to virtual digital characters yeah, and stuff, like have them respond to you. The future, yeah. But even on, but you know, regardless of like when that becomes available, even your idea is great too, as just kind of this a la carte approach where like you could like, say for instance, there will always be people who are like, you know, I don't want to be active Right, with it's a little too stressful. For yeah, it's too stressful yeah. or I just, I'm lazy. I don't want, I just want to sit down and just yeah. watch something or whatever. But what's really cool about your idea that you just had was the whole idea, like movie theater owners, they want people to come back and, and rewatch the same movies. That's how they make their money. But more so just looking at it from a, a consumer perspective, if I'm watching a movie like what you described where it's in the kind of virtual reality experience and based on which seat I'm sitting in, I get a completely different type of experience compared to someone else that is going to encourage me to come back right, and watch it perhaps one or two more times, maybe even more. And every time I leave a theater, I'm going to be satisfied because I see it from a completely different vantage point. I mean, that that is a really neat idea. And it would it would also just make all of the theater owners very happy because they'd be making like quadrupling their money right. based on on that type of technology. But what other ideas or, or uh, observations did you have, Steve? Well, I did think that, you know, if bridging these two... Uh, together with the uh, the Star Wars VR and uh, <laughs> our, our now patented idea. <laughs> so if there was like multiple routes and avenues you could take in this and it wasn't just like, you know, a straightforward course, then again, that would bring you back to, to again, spend the money on another ticket, do the whole experience again. Maybe say to your squad, if you return with the same people again, okay, let's not 
go ABC. Let's go X, Y, and Z right. instead. And let's see what that has to offer at that point. Or uh, maybe there's more than two routes. Maybe there's five. Right. And if you do that, then you would see like more outer space or you would see uh, maybe you would take the pilot mission or maybe, you know, you would see some famous villain. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But because after you do it once, you already know what to expect. And so the, yeah. some, some of the surprise element is gone. You mm-hmm. already know, okay, I know how to put on the suit. I know that. You it's know, like a Disney ride. You yeah. know, one, yeah. you know, the first time is always the best because you don't know what to expect. Right. It's completely unpredictable. And then afterwards, it's like, man, that was fun. And you go and you know what to expect, but it's still fun. I mean, you're yeah. still going through and you're having a good time. Yeah. One of the other things that I noticed was um, they t- they don't have a way to really be able to compare and contrast your score and your performance with your friends that you went through this experience with. And that is nothing new. I I know that laser tag has had that forever. Where like, you can look at a screen and you can see how you stacked up against your buddies and they have different types of, um, I don't know what you call like classes of people. I know for mine. So let me back up a little bit. They do have something like that, but it's not there publicly for consumption. Like they'll email you if you had checkmarked a certain checkbox during the waiver process, which I had, I just went ahead and did. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I'm fine with this. This is cool. But you and Gustavo and Cynthia did not. And so it was kind of a bummer because at the end I wanted to see like how we all did, what kind of ranking did we get? What kind of like, you know, tag name did we get for me? I got code breaker because uh, I think it's because I was the one who was really focusing on this part where I was having to try and get this door to open and you guys were providing cover fire. But when I was looking at my overall, overall performance, like I, my accuracy was like 59%. So, I mean, I wasn't, (laughs) terribly accurate. You know, I I had roughly 60% accuracy. And then the amount of stormtroopers I was able to take out was 19. And I was talking to one of the employees who he revealed that he plays it all the time. And he plays it in the mornings before like they open up. And so he's very experienced at it. He showed me one of his rankings, which was commando. And he had taken out like 89 stormtroopers. And I couldn't remember what his accuracy was, but I mean, of course that comes into play with just knowing where they're going to pop out. And then obviously your, your stats will improve, but I would like them to be able to incorporate something that, just when you're done, you walk out, there should be screens that are set up that will showcase your name and showcase those types of just basic stats. And then you go, oh, okay, cool. Because then that I could see that encouraging you to come back and try and improve upon that. You know, like just, and especially if they were to also start to provide like virtual reality exclusive achievements and right. how like, you know, especially if you were to set up, I mean, here's something that's great. Like in terms of, building that consumer affinity with your brand or basically maybe it's better to say brand affinity, like having more of that, that consumer loyalty is if you give them the option to create, um, and the company who runs this is called the void. If you have like a void profile that tracks every single type of void experience that you've done, and then also be able to have that in real time stats, kind of like what Xbox live does or PlayStation network, you know, where like you're able to create a profile. It tracks like what you're able to unlock or not unlock. That's going to encourage me to come back because I, you know, the OCD in me is going to want to like try and get those other things um, unlocked and also have bragging rights and that sort of thing. Um, 
but yeah, that, that was, if I, if there was one thing that it was just kind of like a, Oh man, I think that would be the one thing at the very end. But I also was able to obtain pictures of us in our virtual reality gear, which I'll be posting up on uh, social media for you guys to check out. If you are indeed interested, which you should be because there, there's some pretty fun, uh, poses and expressions and something like that. What are you thinking about Steve? I was actually thinking about uh, their Ghostbusters offering. And I think there's also a four-person dealio in there. But I thought, you know what would be kind of cool with the Ghostbusters thing? And this might be the case, might not be the case. But if you had the cartoon Ghostbusters of Ray Stance and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it went through the cartoon yeah. version. Yeah. <laughs> and like Egon and stuff, and you would pick who you were and you would kind of go through this uh, Ghostbusters mission you know to get uh you know i don't know what the state state puff marshmallow man would be awesome but i mean it doesn't have to be the state puff marshmallow man is in the virtual reality experience oh the one thing though is the graphics for that particular one are different than right. what we experienced here with stormtroopers like the, the star wars thing like i was thoroughly impressed i mean it felt like we were there it felt like we were in those ships it felt like the, the the droids we were interacting with and the other characters were standing right there. Like I, I, I mean, I I loved it. I thought it was great. That's something that, that would just be really fun to expand upon. I did watch the trailer for the Ghostbusters one. The graphics, it's weird. It's like I almost want to say they look dated when mm. you compare them to the Star Wars experience. Interesting. But that may be also be kind of intentional because they wanted to make it a little more cartoony looking and less photo real. And so, I mean, I, that's probably more of a creative choice. I still think it would be fun just to go through and just see what it's like. But, you know, comparing that to some of the other things, you know, I think it's important to talk about the, the <laughs> staying power of this experience because I was under the impression that this was just a kind of a temporary experiment. Like they had like kind of a soft opening, if you will, where they were only going to show this in like 10 locations or whatever. And then kind of regroup and keep working with it and that sort of thing. That's actually not the case. I was talking to the employees there and they were saying, no, that this is a permanent addition to the Cinemark theater, which is crazy because that basically means that or to, I, to that specific Cinemark theater. Correct. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. There are very limited amount of theaters at this point in time that offer this type of experience. This one is the only one that's in Texas. It's in West Plano. And I highly recommend that you guys, if you're in the area, to check it out. But there are other locations um, that we we had listed. In, um, I can't remember if it was, I think it was last week's episode of Joygasm. But anyway, their plan is, is they want to be able to expand into more and more theaters. But this is kind of like where they're they're starting and I just think it's great because they're going to be probably swapping out those experiences. I imagine like once a month or once every other month. So like there's going to be after the star Wars engagement, they're going to have this kind of survival horror thing for Halloween for the month of October. That looks really good. They also have a, um, a wreck it Ralph that's on the horizon. I'm not sure if it's coming out in November or December, what the deal is, but I'm telling you, man, like I'm, I think I'd be down to try out a lot of what they have to offer. I know the ones that they have so far. I mean, even the Ghostbusters one too, like I'm down to go back and just see what, what they can come up with. What do yeah. you think? No, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely down with it, but I, I would like a little bit of variety though, too, where uh, like the Wreck-It Ralph, for example, 
if you see the movie Wreck-It Ralph, you're going to notice other different characters. And if ever, I don't know how it's going to be at all. I don't, I haven't even seen the trailer for it, but if everybody's Wreck-It Ralph, let's say, then that kind of takes a little bit of fun out of it because, okay, everybody wants to be Wreck-It Ralph. That's one thing. But what if I want to be a different video game character that Wreck-It Ralph interacts with? Um, you know, and, and that's not possible. Then I'll be, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I want to be Ryu from street fighter too, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Sonic boom. <Yeah. laughs> no, no, that was Guile Rose. I, I know. But, uh, right. If I played street fighter, I would play as Guile. <laughs> so what are your concluding thoughts? Well, uh, I would say that they've, it's definitely a leap up from what it used to be. I think that uh, this is a form of entertainment that's not going to go away, that can only go up. Um, I think it couldn't go beyond the, the Star Wars experience or beyond the uh, you know n- known name experience into other uh, realms and whatnot. Um, I mean, it'd be cool if it was like a Far Cry experience. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. So... They could definitely have a lot of room to expand. I think there is some room to improve on it, mm-hmm. um, which is not to say anything bad about this, but your mind starts wondering, okay, what if, you know, what, what is we, possible? Yeah, what is, yeah, exactly. What is possible? You know, they're all like, like we were been talking about, they have to fit the, uh, their insurance, you know, their insurance is going to, you know, limit them to what they can and cannot do. And when you walk in, they're like, okay, no running, no jumping. You're like, what? Uh, what if I want to run and jump? Well, you're going to run into something or someone, you know, so you can't do that. I mean, and I think one of the proof in the pudding situations was like, I think I bumped into you at one point. Everybody bumped into me. I felt so bad. I was like turning ones like, bam. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. I hope that didn't hurt. Right. Well, I mean that, that was kind of some of the the limitation of like the depth where I saw you and I know you were in front of me, but if I was, sometimes if I was reaching out to you in my mind, I would have touched you by that point, but, um, <laughs> you weren't there. And then sometimes you were there and it didn't respond in the headset. I, you know, whatever. So yeah, different, you know, areas to improve technology, technological stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I would say a lot of folks got to try it out. It's, it's not strenuous. It's not arduous or no. anything like that. So it's nothing that's going to get your heart really racing. Like, you know, you got to be worried about it. But, uh, I mean, kid families were there with their little kids and then there was grown adults and you know, whatever, whatnot, which was kind of nice. Cause you saw a bunch of fans of star Wars, male, yeah. female, young, old. So people um, liked my t-shirt that I wore. I, I heard that. Mm-hmm. It was funny. Uh, one of the female staff was giving you some sort of direction or whatever. And you were trying to pry information out of her. And so you did like the, the force thing, like, okay, you're going to tell me to do that. And the look she gave you was like, don't pull that crap on me, please. I know. That's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, she, oh, yeah. I, I thought that was, yeah. <clears throat> well, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which was just the, the employees that were there. They just, it's like they were so caught up in trying to give that that feeling of mystery and and fun allure and that yeah. sort of thing that they weren't able to just kind of like it was it was kind of weird because on the one hand like they were trying to engage the uh, the patrons there by just saying yeah so you guys rebels are you part of the empire yeah you, you know? guys rebel spies huh? Huh? yeah. Huh? Which is like, okay, so they want to play. But then when you play with it back to them, right. then they just really are not as receptive. Yeah. It was, it was almost like they were told to say certain things, and so they did the right. most fun way possible, but then they didn't know how to respond when you responded to them. Right. Yeah. Well, on my side of things, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was just um, a 
treat to be able to have this type of opportunity to be able to go to a virtual reality experience and have this level of immersion. I've never seen any kind of experience like this before. I highly recommend you guys go check out the Star Wars Secrets of the Empire virtual reality experience. And um, of course, you can go to thevoid.com to be able to see if it's um, close to where you live. But so much here to be able to appreciate and, and just be excited about the future. What is the future going to hold for this type of thing? And I think that uh, my hat goes off to ILM and XLab for, do, for a job well done. I think you have a lot of forward thinkers with this, especially considering that a lot of the augmented reality and virtual reality have been really popular and trending this day and age where, you know, Facebook has invested a lot in Oculus Rift and you have NVIDIA creating graphics cards for virtual reality. Sony, um, Samsung. Yeah, I mean, you, you just there. There's this overall curiosity that has rekindled the the flame of virtual reality. And what's really great is that again, the last time that we had something that was kind of legit like this was back in like 1995. I mean, it's been 23 years, and it's 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 amazing to see the level of technological advance that we've been able to witness, really. And so I look forward to seeing, like I said the other types of experiences they have. I hope that they're able to build upon what they have. It certainly wasn't perfect. Like, like what everyone says, I mean, it kind of uh, goes without saying it's a global desire to be able to look at your own body and be able to see everything being represented. Having said that though, the fact that they're able to, I don't know how they got this to work, but essentially they have like kind of a maze of rooms that you go through and then the, the visor is able to interpolate just what those shapes are. So that way it accurately casts the, the textures and the animations. And interpolate all or interpret, Rose? Interpolate is actually an animation technique. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. You know, I think it would be an easy fix because they would just have to maybe assign shin pads or something that would have that, you know, would correlate with uh, what the sensor thought right. was programmed or whatever, whatnot. And you would look down, of course, they would look like you would have a, a, a stormtrooper leg. Well, and that's what was kind of confusing to me was that I could see your legs. Right. I could see everyone else's legs. And you're, when you walk, you looked correct. Right. So it was kind of surprising that I couldn't see my own. And I wonder if that was just kind of the setup with how they put, you know, to give you an idea, like when you make a first person shooter video game, uh, the... You don't, you don't really see yourself at all. You see your arms and hands and you see the gun and that's it. And so as a result, you have the character modelers. That's all they model. They don't have the character there at all, unless you have the ability to pull out into third person and then you could see your whole entire character. And so, um, you know, the animators do the same thing. You know, the animators just focus on the arms and the hands and like the, the reloading animation or the recoil animation or whatever it is. Um, that's all that you have to work with. And I feel like that's kind of the approach they took with this because you can't, obviously you can't see your, your, your own stormtrooper mask, which that I think is going to be another like kind of evolutionary step with this type of technology. I would love to be able to see is let's say for instance, they have the, the star Wars secrets of the empire part two, right? And 
in the new one, you actually have reflective surfaces. So as you're walking by, you can see yourself, you can wave at yourself, you know, do whatever. But again, that creates more of an immersive experience because my mind wants to be able to see my whole body in this world. If I'm limited to just my hands and my arms, it's like, okay, well then there's a disconnect that occurs. Right. You know, it'd also be kind of cool as with the, the guns, if they can find a way to make them kick. A little bit. Yeah. You know, because otherwise you're just pulling a trigger and stuff shooting. But if they could make something pop in the gun, I mean, obviously they can't make it fire back at you. That's yeah. going to be impossible. But if they can do some sort of spring loaded something in the either the butt of the rifle or uh, maybe at some point if they have a pistol, they can make something pop inside that. So when you pull the trigger, something more happened instead of just a, you know. One thing I forgot to mention was like um, there was a moment when, I was getting shot a few times by the stormtroopers that were coming out. <laughs> I was and getting shot and I was dying. Well, and, what was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I well bleeding out. I had a <laughs> reflection of my life. Yeah. <laughs> life flashed before my eyes, my virtual eyes. I noticed that there was a, a unique smell that would, that happened when I got shot. Like there were certain ones where if I got shot straight on, I would feel it. I would see it and then I would kind of almost smell like the, the burning flesh. Yeah. No, not, not burning flesh, but like, um, <laughs> Like Hot. carbon scoring. Oh, okay. You know, like, like just, just the kind of stuff that you would, it was a smell you would, I would totally expect in a star Wars world. I thought that was pretty sweet. Hmm. Well, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm for exclusive and early access to the show. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com slash TV. Last but certainly not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. May the Force be with you.